enjoyed worship this morning. Amen? Amen. Going to be preaching on Do You Dig It? <laughs> Thought y'all would like it. Anybody remember what this was from a couple weeks ago? I, I preached Easter. Greater than. That's what we're preaching on. God wanting to do greater things in our lives tonight. And it, it's going to start by dig it this morning. Let's all stand this morning. I'm going to read one verse out of John chapter 14. Verse 12. I love this verse where Jesus talks about He's going to do greater things. And I've got a couple more, but I'm just going to start off with this one in a prayer. Look what Jesus is saying when He speaks to the disciples. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The NIV version says, He that has faith in me, will, I will do greater works uh, in them and through them tonight. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. And Lord, I pray that there's someone here today that's, that is uh, seeking greater things. Lord, that they, they want You to be greater in their lives, in their family. Lord, I pray that You're greater in this church and You're bigger in this church. Because Lord, we live in a world today that's full of sin and things that bind us down and shackle us down and, and even chain us down. And Lord, we need Your power in our lives to break things free. Lord, You died on the cross for us and give Your life for us that we may not just have life, but Lord, let us... Sometimes as Christians, we don't look like we're living the abundant life. So many times we get down and don't trust You with situations and allow our flesh to take over. And today, Lord, I would, show, I would pray that You would show us greater things that we can experience from You. And this church can experience greater things from You. It's just We have Your completed Word and we have all the technology, but Lord, You have greater things for us today. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I love it this week. Uh, Robert and ja Jamie's not here. I don't think this morning I didn't see him come in. But Abigail, their little daughter, last week had the bulletin. And as she was reading the bulletin, she read down through the Perry Kilby fishing tournament coming up. And then she read, she read the church camp. And right below the church camp it said, Deadline. Church camp deadline, May 18th, in big, broad, bold red letters. She elbowed her mom and leaned over and said, Mama, when you see something in red, that means God said it. <laughs> Amen? I thought that was cute. At least they're, they're knowing when it's in red, God said it. Amen? I pray this morning that you're wanting God to do greater things in your life. There's many verses and many promises in God's Word that He wants to do greater things in our lives. I just believe that. If I couldn't wake up every day and I couldn't pastor this church not knowing that God didn't want to do greater things in my life. What a boring life you would have this morning if you had to go to work every day from, I mean, just slaving every day, Monday through Friday, and then sometimes Saturday, and never experience God's greater things in your life. What if we had to come up here and worship every Sunday and, and, and sing and get everything together and organize everything and never see greater things? I don't know about you, but it would be a boring Christian life. And we've got a lot of Christians today that are living a boring life. 
They're absolutely bored to death because God is not doing greater things in their lives. They're, they're doing the same old, same old. They're experiencing the same old, same old God. Maybe going through the same tradition or same rituals in their lives, in their church, and God has become boring. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want God to become boring this morning. Amen? Amen. Please do not allow your church and your walk with Jesus Christ to become boring. Because He said, you have that one, Tina, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Here's another one that Paul wrote. Jesus didn't say this, but Paul even wrote this in Ephesians. Did you get that one? Yeah, go to it. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto Him. Whoop. We got one of them vanishing Bibles. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that is in us. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of each and every one of us. If you're a saved child of God this morning, you have the Holy Spirit in you. How many believes that? If you don't believe that this morning, this message will do you, it won't do you a bit of good. When the Holy, but see, we've got to be able to tap into the greater things that God has for us. God's Word is there. God's laying things down. This is, this is really on my heart for people even in this church. If you want to see God do greater things, you've got to tap into it. Yes. It's not about, listen, there's a saying that I put on Facebook this week. And this is what I based my whole sermon around this week. God is not looking for us to leave here being inspired. There's a lot of people that get it. When I preach, there are people every time I speak, whether it's in revival, Sunday, doing other things, they leave there going, wow. They've even, this even happened to me over at Mountain Pine, and that's where I got the thought. I did three nights of revival over there, when, and someone come out the last night, and they shook my hand, they said, Brother George, that was great, I'm so inspired. And I thought about that. You know, I, I want people to be inspired, but that's not all I want to get out of revival. Because if all we do is get inspired, we're never going to see God do greater things in our lives and our church and our families. Amen? We all get inspired. But sometimes there's... in our, And I'm so afraid in our Christian walk, this is where the devil gets a lot of us. He don't mind us getting inspired. How many of y'all have ever been inspired when you leave here on Sunday morning? You have left here saying, wow, I'm going to do, man, I, I, man Lord, I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to call so-and-so. I'm going to, I'm going to get things right. I'm just, man, sermon Brother George preached or the worship we had was so inspiring. But then it seems like when we get in the car and we slam the door, inspiration is gone. Amen? And see, that's, and that's the difference. If, if all we do is get inspired from God, we're never going to see greater things from God. It's more than being just inspired. God wants us to participate with His Word and with His Spirit that's working inside of us. Amen? Amen? We've got to learn to participate with God, not just be inspired. I'm going to preach every Sunday to you and you're going to be inspired. But we've got to go a step further than that and take that further than just being inspired. We've got to we got to dig a ditch for God to bless us. Amen? That's why I named this, Do You Dig It? <laughs> Amen? I'm going to keep asking this morning, Do You Dig It? Because listen, we've got to be more than an inspired church. If all we're going to be is an inspired church, 
We're not going to see God do greater things. And listen, I, there's not, we, we need to have a church that, that's free to worship. Amen? Free to raise hands, free to go to the altars, free to be you and the Lord. But you can't live your life on just emotions. And hey, and, and I believe we need emotions in here. The Holy Spirit is an emotion. But if all you do is live off your good... Boy, if I can get a goosebump in this morning and Brother George preaches, ooh, you'll get them. That's inspired. Amen? That goosebump will do you good till the devil meets you in your car. Amen? You ever done that before? Man, get goosebumps and get expired and get outside the church door and it's like, they gone. I mean, that's all you think about is, man, I was inspired. That was such an inspiration. And that really stuck to me last week. I hope that I did more than three nights of preaching to inspire Mountain Pine. Because if all they felt was inspired and didn't want to participate with God's Word and the Holy Spirit and get out there and move for God, they're not going to see greater things. Our church has got to be more than an inspired church or God's going to quit doing great things in our church. It's not about... we got tons of churches, Tim, that are full of head knowledge. I can walk in there and preach, and, and they're actually proud of it. And they, you need to be to an certain extent of your Bible knowledge. But don't let pride always come before fall. Don't let head knowledge take the place of your personal walk. Just because you know it don't mean you do it. Amen? I got a child. I know what that saying means. Amen? How many of y'all's children do that? And so I love this verse. Well, let's do, let, I had another verse. I had Ephesians 3.20. I had John chapter 14. And this is one of my favorites. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I love this verse. I could preach right here and we could go home and give an altar call. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. I'm already telling you. Some Baptists are going, that's when we get to heaven. It's not about when you get to heaven. Heaven's going to be the greatest place in the world. But right now, I got to fight a devil. I got to raise a family. I got to work a job. I got to live in this world. I got to fight my flesh. I need something that I hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard that God's put in my heart that's just ready to burst out onto the scene. But there's some of us Christians do not believe that there's something inside of us that God has planted through the power of the Holy Spirit that's bigger than us. Well, if I can't do it, Brother George, I, I make my own way. You don't make your own way. God makes His way and you follow His way. Amen? Amen? How many of y'all ever eyes not seen here? How many of y'all even prayed that prayer? Man, just imagine... It would change the attitude of our church if we come in here with this prayer on Saturday night. I have not seen, ears not heard what God's got prepared for us tomorrow during worship. Amen? Amen. Pray that in your marriage. Pray that, pray that in ministry instead of just, oh, I'm got to go worship. Give me a... Where do you play that thing again, Rick? Amen? Some people in church, they're no more excited about their church. They're more excited about their job. They're more excited about their football, their, their hogs, their razorbacks. They're more excited about fishing. But when it comes to godly things, they are bored. Bored. And I love.
I love fishing, and I'll kill them with the best of them. Amen? There is nothing greater than a ten-point bucket laying him down. There's nothing greater than catching a live well full of bass and crappie. There's nothing greater than killing a big gobbler. But compared to those things, when I put all my faith into that and follow that, I get bored in my Christian walk. And then I stop believing that God has prepared something great inside of me. And this is not a self-help sermon. Amen? Don't get it confused with who you see on TV. It's all about God working in and through me. You can preach all day long. There's something inside of you. You've got to just rise up and take. You can't take it unless you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you couldn't hold on to it if it wasn't because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's peace, that's love, that's joy and everything else. You can't keep peace unless God kept giving it to you. I don't give myself peace. I give, if I give me and Melvin peace, it would last till we got in the car. And then the peace breaker would show up. Amen? But that's how we live our lives. We're inspired. Inspiration brings that just for a little while. And that's why we're let down with the Bible. That's why we get let down with the church. We get all let down. Like I said, man, I went to church six months and I just I didn't feel nothing. I mean, I was inspired, but I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of the church building. I couldn't get Brother George's sermon into my family and into my job and into my everyday life. It's because you left here Sunday after Sunday being inspired. But we never participated... With the Word. Go to that one, uh, Tina. I love Elisha. Man, I'm going to be on Elisha. I love Elisha. Elisha prayed for God. He, he, he didn't only want to follow Elijah's footsteps. He said, God, if I'm going to be the next prophet of Israel, I want a double anointing on my life. I want to double what Elijah... How many was the last time you prayed that? I want a double anointing on my life. Hey, when I, when I came here to preach, and I ain't told a lot of people, I told one person, and matter of fact, we were standing about right here when I told him. But I remember when Leroy Hill was here years ago, and that little white building was cram-packed with people. And when he came here one night before he passed away, he walked through this new building, and he was standing just amazing, and he says, Man, George, God's going to bless you here. And I said, well, I don't know if he's going to bless me more than what he's done with you. He said, George, you're going to take this church a lot further than I ever took it. And right then I thought, so can I be Elisha? And he said, you be Elisha. Amen? I want double anointing. No matter what my parents did or how they did, we need to pray for a double anointing on our lives. I'm just truly believe it. We don't pray and we don't ask big enough to God. We don't have faith. We say we have faith. How many of y'all know the, the lady? I think some of our women went and heard her in Russellville here just a few months ago. Lisa Turnquist? What's her name? One, please. Turst. Tur. I, I practiced this all week and I still couldn't get her. Okay, Lisa, the one that y'all spoke with, Turhurst. I'll just preach it the way I want to say it. Anyway, everybody knows her by going around speaking to tens of thousands and millions of women a year. But nobody knows about her going to her closet and crying to God in fear. 
You would think, there's no way. I met this woman. I had my picture with her. There's no way she would crawl into the closet and cry her out to God like she's not being used. When she was going around, this was a couple years ago, three years ago, she was going around all over the nation speaking. And she's kind of like Beth Moore. Big following of women coming and, and men, but women coming and listening to Lisa speak and very good speaker. She wrote two or three, four books. And, and she would sign books and speak to people all over the country, go from town to town and speak. Well, as she was uh, going to this one place, they had two kids and they, were, they had two children already. No, they had three children already. And as they went to this one place, it was, a, it was, a, it was an African choir, children's choir was singing. And I don't know if y'all, y'all may not believe this, but God still works this way. She said as soon as she went into the auditorium to sit down to hear the African children's choir sing, she said it's like God just shook my seat that I was in. and said, Lisa, there's two boys in that choir. You're going to stop. And she said, oh no, Lord, you don't understand. I go travel miles and millions of miles speaking to women, signing books. I got three kids at home. And he said, there's two in this choir. She said, it wasn't an audible voice. Nobody shouted it, but it was deep Holy Spirit conviction that spoke to her. That said, there's the ones you're adopting. And as time went on, they, they went, she went and talked to her husband, and they prayed about it, and they did all this. They wound up adopting these two kids from Africa. Now, as they brought them back to the States, and they put them in school... They were six grades, four to five grades behind on everything coming from over there to America. So she decided to stay home, prayed about it, to stay home and homeschool five kids. And she finally got so stressed out. Can you imagine five? I wouldn't have no hair either, Tim. If I had five kids to homeschool... And she said one morning it was terrible. Things just fell apart. Everything went haywire. This kitchen table, they were just got through eating breakfast at. They did their lessons on and there was sticky stuff on the kitchen table. Papers were sticking. Things wasn't, the kids weren't listening. She just got up right from that table, went straight to her bedroom and shut the door and went crying. She said, I just couldn't take it no more. I just sit down and started crying. And she said, God, this doesn't feel like a very much of an enjoyable job. I leave speaking to thousands and millions of people and I'm at a kitchen table with five kids. Is this what my calling is? I want you to tell her. She said, she wrote this down. And it might be in one of her books. I don't know. But she wrote this down of what God spoke to her heart. Here's what she said. Lisa, this is what Lisa said. God spoke to her and said, Are you a woman of faith? Lisa said, of course I'm a woman of faith. Well, if you're a woman of faith, you need to live a life that it requires faith. You've been talking faith, but you are a mastermind at maneuvering so that you don't have to have any faith at all. She's kind of shocked by now when these convictions are speaking to her heart. That is where you will live by, and this is what I was meaning, that is where you will live by faith. Multiplication table is how you will change the world today. And we need to remember that no matter where we're at or what situation we're in, what God, listen, we all get into the thing called the rat race. Amen? 
We all, listen, there's nothing wrong with going to work to the same job every day, day in and day out. Amen? The problem is when i got new people, and I've been around people that they can't hold a job for a year because the new wears off, you've got to have something else. And all they do is leapfrog from job to job to job. There's nothing, listen guys, there's nothing wrong with getting up every day and going to the same job for 35 years if that's what God wants you to do. But you also can't let the devil turn it around and say, my life is, you know, what I do don't mean a whole lot. God, God told her when He was speaking to her, I love it, I read on down in the book, He said, Lisa, you need to have faith. What you're doing today, right now with them five kids at that sticky kitchen table is the most important thing you can be doing. He said, now you go back to that sticky table and you change the world one day at a time. And we need to remember that on our jobs. It may be every day you see the same scenery, but God still wants to do greater things. Even if you're doing the same job for 35, 40 years, God still wants to do greater things in your life. Amen? But it's going to take faith. Every, and this is something that I mean, I've been preaching on this faith because I believe God's really wanting Pleasant Hill to get this. Pleasant Hill faith is doing something and then seeing God act. Sometimes I think God wants to look at us and say, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. This is why a lot of us are staying in the same boring Christian walk is we're praying... We're going to church, we're reading the Bible, we're asking God to do great things, but we're sitting back and God's saying, you're going to dig me a ditch if you want me to fill it. Amen? Go to that one. See, faith is a work order. Did you know that? <laughs> a lot of people say, well, I got saved by faith. And that's all they live. Their Christian walk is through a salvation experience. Amen? And listen, salvation is the greatest experience you'll It gives you eternal life. But some people just feel like they have climbed the mountain when they get saved. Whew! Glad that was over with. I am set free for the rest of my life. And then they go out of that mountain and they walk in bondage the rest of their life because that's the only faith experience they had is to accept Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That is most of our last time we really use faith is when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. For by grace you are saved through what? You got saved by faith, but then we, now listen. We put our faith in a man that died on a cross over 2,000 years ago that shed his blood, and we believe that that's going to give us eternal life, and we can go to heaven forever and ever and ever through that one blood atoned sacrifice. Amen? We got faith to do that, but we cannot give enough, put enough faith out there to let God have our lives every day. But we trust Him for eternity with one step of faith. But then God wants us, and that's, and that's where some Christians are stuck at, is right there at their side. The last time they really experienced God is at salvation, and that's been it. And that's a sad story. If that's the last time that any of us have, ex have experienced Jesus is that salvation. Well, when was you saved uh, 40 years ago? Man, in 40 years, you had to step out on faith. So, no, no, I, you know, I had faith when I got saved. Well, then your last 40 years has been pretty boring. Amen? That's why when I go into churches, people are yawning and can't stay awake. Amen? 
I've been to some of them. I had, a, I had a church, and this is how bad it gets, how the devil likes to keep us bored. I had a church one time for a revival. June, I'll never forget, June the 12th through the 16th. Brother George, can you come preach this revival? I said, no ma'am, I can't. Uh, no sir, it was, a, it was a guy. I said, no sir, I'm preaching a revival that week, but I can definitely preach it the next week. Oh no, that would, that'll never work. And just that fast, I was going like, Row. I said, what do you mean it'll never work? We have always, since I've been deacon in this church for 45 years, we have always had revival the 12th through the 16th. We can't have it then. We have to get another speaker. I was going, I hope, I thought, I almost fell to my knees and crying in prayer. Because I thought, God only moves 12th through the 16th of June. I didn't know that. But see, we don't want to step out on faith. But the devil will lure us in on doing the same old, same old till we get bored to death and we never experience Jesus. When's the last time God got you out of your shell? We've got to go to... Let's, let, let's go to a, a, that, a story on Elisha in 2 Kings. I've got to get there. I want you to, i got to hurry. This story right here. So the king of Israel... Let me, let me put a little background so you'll know what's going on. There's three kings in Israel. There's a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. There's another king. All these kings in Israel are fixing to be attacked by the Moabites. You remember all the mites that were Israel? You know, the termites and the Moabites and all of them, all them people in the land of Canaan? Well, these Moabites, they're coming to attack Israel. And there's, there's, out of three kings, only one of them is halfway close to God. King Jehoshaphat. The other king of Edom and the other one, they're so far away from God, they took all the altars down and they put idols up in the place of God. Because I want to show you how Elisha handles the three kings here in a minute. But they're fixing to be surrounded by the Moabites. All these armies are coming together as one to fight against the Moabites. But the problem is, they've come together to fight, but there's no water to water and feed the animals and to all the people. In the, there's a drought. If they don't have water, they're going to die. So here's what they do. They go, they ask, is, there, is that Elisha guy, that, that man of God, that, that preacher, is he still in this area? I think he can help us. See, isn't it funny how we, we turn to do everything ourselves. It don't work. We've got to have a preacher. Just saying. I've been struggling for six weeks. I guess it's time to call the preacher. The first thing we should do is go to God. Amen. Amen? Get off of Facebook and quit calling your friends and go to God. Amen? Amen? Go straight to Him. And so here's what they do. So the king of Israel went to the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout seven days, and there was no water for the army nor the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Yes. Or in our day word, it means what? That's what he's saying. For the Lord has called three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water into the hands 
of Elijah. And so Jehoshaphat said, the, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, now listen to this, they're going down to meet, going to Elisha's house to meet him. Then Elisha, they meet, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, What am I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king said to him, No, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of the Moab. Basically, what he's telling the king of Edom, Your mom and daddy, Ahab and Jezebel, go to their prophets, Baal. <laughs> Remember what my, 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 my preacher buddy Elijah did on the Mount Carmel with 450 prophets? Won't you go ahead and call, won't you call on them? Now you're going to turn to me? That's basically what he's saying because look what else he says. And Elisha said, the, the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Surely, were it not I regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, I wouldn't even notice you. I wouldn't even look over your way. Y'all guys are very lucky you come here, you bunch of idol-worshiping kings. You want to live your life in sin and do whatever you want and then expect God's hand just to pick you up out of it. And he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat being here with you, I wouldn't even talk to you other two. And so here they, here they go. They're like, man, what's, what's the last you going to do? And the very first commandment, I mean, these people are about to die thirst. They're fixing to get killed by a bunch of Moabite armies. And they're really, I mean, they're just waiting on, is he going to open the Word and say, Thus saith the Lord. Look what he says. But now, bring me a musician. Everybody's going, what? I mean, he wants a guitarist. We're about to die. And he wants some mood music. <laughs> to die and he wants a musician a guitarist or harpist or a trumpet player tambourine. then it happened when the music played the hand of the Lord come upon him if more churches could understand the power of worship you say well what, 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 what's the music you mean music does it music listen Music, I don't care what people say. Worship music and music ushers in the presence of God so He can work. I know some preachers that don't... I know some right now that they, worship does not mean very much to them in their church. All i got to do is preach a word. That's what we need. The word, the word, the word. That word is not going to do no good unless the presence of God is here opening up hearts and mending hearts for people to receive the Word. If not, it falls on deaf ears. How many of y'all ever spoke to someone felt like it fell on deaf ears? <laughs> I got husbands pointing at wives. Y'all going to be in trouble when you get home. We got kids. Falls on deaf ears. And I'm not saying a word about the husband and the wives. Let's just stick with the kids. But guys, listen, we can never forget, hey, how important worship is in this church. And listen, it, it, it ushers the present. It changes the mood. Some of us have come on uh, living out in the world for six days. 
I mean, we got stuff sticking to us everywhere. Like Velcro. You've got thoughts. How many words has run through your head Monday through Saturday? Negative words. How many stories and gossip and negativity did you come in contact with last week that you was thinking about three days later? It stuck with you. And then we got it. Then we all of a sudden come to church and all we see Brother George put on Facebook, 11 o'clock, come worship with us. We got to go. And we fire in here and jump out of the vehicle. And by the way, Pleasant Hill can come to church early. Y'all proved that last Sunday. We had an 8.30 service at the house full. And I wonder sometimes how come we can't do it at 11. Amen? It's all in whether we're digging a ditch or not. But music is a very... Listen. Can I do this with the praise? I know I'm running behind, but the storms are coming, so I need to preach so y'all be safe anyway. Hey, can the praise team come up real quick? I'm going to do it anyway. Y'all come up. All the instrument guys, come up. We're going to try this. I thought about this in my mind back here before I started. I hope it all pans out. God gives me this stuff and I just kind of go on the fly with it. You know, just the power... Of background music. Just the power of music when you're going to your job on Mondays. If you sit in that car by yourself and turn the radio off, and and there is times when we need to be alone with God. And and there is times when just me and God turn everything off in this world. But there's sometimes when I get in the vehicle and I come, or I'm on the bypass and I'm running somewhere and I just run into a situation, maybe even run to the devil himself. And I'm getting discouraged or down, I'll go up there and I'll click on 90.1. Or I'll put in a Bill Gaither CD or, or uh, Limmer and Medlin's car. The older car now, remember? So, so then, I'll put that worship music on. And I'm not kidding, it'll take me from worrying about everyday life, worrying about this church, worrying about my marriage, worrying about my son. Music changes the whole. You know, I can sit here and I can talk like this here. Y'all go ahead and just play something lightly while I speak. I mean, I can say, Do you need Jesus this morning? You need to come to Him. You need to dig a ditch. And background music is a party guy. I I may do this all every Sunday. When the music plays, everybody's watching. Because it gets your attention and focuses you on what's being said. But the Holy Spirit changes the atmosphere. This is why we, we got to really concentrate, church, on our worship. Everybody listening now. I know you're ready to get out of here, but it's alright. You'll make it. If we don't concentrate on our worship in this church, God's going to stand at the back glass doors and be peeping in saying, man, I, there's a crowd in there. I would love to be in there. And God is doing this in a bunch of churches today. Worship's not important to them. But sometimes music ushers in a word from God. Just by them playing. 
worship die in this church. Amen. I don't want you to be, don't do, don't ever, as long as I'm pastor this church, be embarrassed to worship. Amen. I got another little secret for you. Your dead hit buddy sitting beside you, making fun of you, tell him to go sit on the other side of the church to make Sunday morning. Amen. But we don't need the devil when we're trying to worship. Because God said, I died on a cross to set you free. I didn't bound you by no denomination and I don't do that, Brother George. He give you a personality. You worship within the confines of your personality. Amen? I get so tired of hearing that. Well, I don't get excited for Jesus, Brother George. Ain't my personality. I don't care if you're the quietest as a church mouse. God's going to start. You can be as quiet as David Crumpton. Amen? But here's the difference in being stirred by the Holy Spirit and just not wanting none of the Spirit. Is I've seen David right there and crying many times when I preach on Sundays. And God is stirring his heart. He never raised a hand. He never shouted. He comes to the altar some, but not every Sunday. But he sits right there with tears rolling down his face a lot of Sundays. And God speaks to him. What I'm saying is God give you a personality. Let Him speak to you through your personality. Because I'm telling you, that may sit there and be quiet. This one may be jumping up, raising their hand, coming to the altar. Hey, everybody's got different personalities. But I'm telling you, God is going to stir you in the confines of your personality where you can't sit there and be dead for Jesus. You're going to dig a ditch. Amen? Y'all just stay right there. I'm going to let y'all sit and do invitations. I like music and preaching. Go back to that verse I left off on. I'm going to close here in just a second. I might turn this into a... I may start singing for it so we turn it into a song. Amen. I love how some of the preachers on TV do it. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. I read that, I thought, first he calls for music. And then the next thing he says, guys, before, in the morning before you fight the Moabites, oh, here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to get a shovel in your hand and a pick. Can you dig it? I want you to go dig. Not just one ditch, because here's where a lot of us fall short. We'll get on fire and God will speak to us. And man, we'll dig a ditch all the way to the car. But we dig one ditch. And then we get to the car and say, man, did I worship. Did I do good? I, I, I dug one ditch. And Jesus is going, I didn't ask you to dig one little... Some of us always dig potholes. Amen? You dig potholes so other people will fall in them. Or you forget where you put the pothole and you fall in it yourself. But he didn't say to you one ditch, Israel. He said, make this valley full of ditches. Don't just... One ditch ain't going to cut it, man. I want to fill this whole valley with my spirit. I want to fill every family in this building. I want to fill them with my spirit. I want to stir every 
mom and dad in this house with my spirit. So just because you dug one ditch, make a bunch of ditches. What is God asking you to do right now? God, listen, you are right on the edge of experiencing something great from God. But God is asking you, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. And then the next word He says, do you dig it? Do you dig it? Because see, God may be wanting to work in His church right here. I know He is. I know He wants to continue work. There's places in this church that we need children's teachers and other teachers and nursery workers. And I mean, some of it's not the upfront stuff. Amen? But i got news for you. This isn't the only place that God blesses is behind the pulpit or up front. This is not His body. And He's asking everybody in here to dig a ditch. Well, Brother George, I ain't seen God work in six, seven years. Well, it's because you've been sitting in pews. You've been getting inspired, but you ain't been digging. When's the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you and really wants you to step up, even in this church and ministry and do something, and you didn't even well, I was going to make that meeting, but I got tied up or I failed. You know, I got, it just flew over my mind. You know why? You got inspired. You didn't get stirred. Because the stirring and the touching and anointing of the Holy Spirit will make you participate. Amen? It'll push you to participate with God's people and His Word. And that's the difference of having an inspired church and a transformed church. Transformed churches dig ditches when the water is not there. You dig ditches when the water is not in your marriage. You dig ditches when you're so far away from God. Listen, I know there's people in this church that's probably here not here today. They say, I'm burned out. You've got to keep digging. Amen. Amen. You still got to keep digging because you don't, if you just throw the shovel and the pick down and say, I'm tired of digging, the devil is going to come like a roaring lion and seek what he can devour in your church, in your family, and with your kids, and with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to chew it up. That's why you always got to have a shovel in your hand. Now, there's times when we've got to take a break, but you better hold on to that shovel. Amen? There's times where we need to slow down in the church and ministry and let everybody go. But that don't mean we throw the shovel down. You're going to need to lie and hit. Don't throw your shovels and picks down. Man, when you say break in the Baptist church, they don't come back to the next Easter. Amen? I'm serious, God. We gotta keep digging. We can take breaks, but we gotta hold on to that shovel. Amen. What's God asking you to dig this morning? What is God asking you to dig? You know He's been speaking to you, but you've been scared to death to step up. Well, dig that ditch this morning, and God will show up and be great in your life. But He's just waiting. For you to show a little faith. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I love you this morning.
Lord, I pray that You'll speak to our hearts in here this morning. Lord, the sermon was from my heart. It's not meant to know one, one person. It's meant for the whole church. But I've always preached the truth, Lord. If it makes folks upset or they get angry, they don't have to talk with God about that. I'm just your message boy. And sometimes we got to dig a ditch and show faith in God besides our salvation experience. That's already been sealed. Hey, we got eternal life. Now, what kind of life and what kind of choice of life are we going to live down here? What kind of witness are we going to be? What kind of joy are we going to show people? Lord, there may be someone right here. Lord, I pray. While I'm speaking, you're putting shovels in their hands. And you're whispering with your Holy Spirit saying, Dig! 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 Because Lord, that's where you're at. You want us... You want to show your faithfulness. Lord, have your way in this altar call this morning. Teach us how to dig as a church. Faith without works is dead. That's what James 2.22 and 2.26 says. Faith without works is dead. And if you're feeling like you're walking in a dead life right now, Jesus, you need to bring your shovel and your feet and come to the altar. What is God speaking to you? Heavenly Father, have your way this morning in this altar call. Move upon our hearts. Convict us. Move us closer to you. Not just as one or two people, but Lord, move us as a church body. It's always great to see two or three people move and get closer. But God, we need a mass movement of your Spirit. I mean, of our whole body. We need you to touch and stir and to wake up our whole body. Not just the leaders, not just the preacher, not just two or three, but everybody. That's on the sound of my voice, Lord. I pray that you'll touch this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone saying, Amen. Amen. Come this morning at the altar. I need Do you need this morning? Are you in a situation where you need Jesus? There's no way out but